Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. The Things We Say 2019, back oh, at it. Right. Yes. I forgot about that. That's odd to say. I, feel I never like it's write 2015. Any, I never write any checks, so that's never an issue. <laughs> like, literally, I, I, I can't remember the last time I asked what year it was. Yeah, it's been I, a while. I, I don't care. I just feel like 2020 is always going to be somewhere way distant in the future. Yeah. 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 I've already been disappointed since 2015. None of the, uh, none of the, uh, oh, what is it? Um, Back to the Future 2 things happened, except yeah. the Cubs. The Cubs. The Cubs did happen. One thing I thought about at the ball drop or whatever, yeah. which is insanely stupid. Yeah, I can't watch. The ever since, ever since Dick Clark ever. was done with it, I, I don't care Good anymore. Good grief. They drag out the most B-list celebrities oh, I know. for these things. It's just I know. And they get them really liquored up and then just let them do whatever it is they're going to do. Here's the one thing about the ball drop that I don't understand. And I think it was not a thing before 2000. Okay. The glasses. No, I I actually actually know that's not true. What? Because I can show you a picture. Of 1999? Of Elton John wearing in like the 70s a 1970-something pair of those glasses. I'm gonna pull it up right now because I'm a proof. I'm a proof it to you. I thought it probably would have started in the 2000s because it was the first time you had two zeros right, right in front of your face. But think about so it. So you mean, could you can... actually do the glasses. What were you gonna do before that? I'm gonna show you. It's all nines. That doesn't fit well over <laughs> but your eyes. It's still eyes. a circle in in part. Yeah, that is stupid. I people look ridiculous with those things on. Oh, and I in agree. 2000, it made sense. <laughs> At least you're looking through zeros. And it made sense up until 2010. Like 2010, you're looking through a one and a zero. It's just dumb. I, I don't know. I'm going to find this picture. I'm, I mean, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll keep moving. Okay. But, but those glasses are ridiculous. And the ball drop is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Do you know they agree. delay air the ball drop for the time zone, for a central time zone? They delay air the, the New York ball drop. That is dumb. I... I, I couldn't watch it if I was in the Midwest. We know this happened an hour ago. <laughs> Why would well, you want to? And uh, my thing is too is like Australia. It happens literally almost twenty four hours ahead of us. Well, they're always like, living. In I the know, future. but that's what I'm saying. It's like it's just stupid. That's one of my favorite Charles Schultz quotes: "Is uh, don't worry about the world ending tomorrow. It's already tomorrow in Australia." No, so, don't worry about the world ending today. That's what it is. Don't worry about already. the world ending today. It's already tomorrow <laughs> in Australia. That's awesome. <coughs> anyway, they won't, they won't get raptured first, but there's there's that. Right, time zones are meaningless. Let's be real. We hope. So <laughs> that's a whole different topic, right there. <laughs> so um, I, I'm pretty sure you would have heard this because you're more Star Wars fan buff than I am. Yes. The the theory on, and this is the did you know? Theory. All right, all right, hit it. <laughs> The theory on why Anakin says the stupid line about sand and says, I I hate sand. It's so coarse and rough and everything here is soft. 
Yeah. It's one of the dumbest lines ever. It made me mad yeah. watching it the first time. Yeah. It and makes I, me mad every time I watch it. I didn't think about it until this weekend, and I found out it's actually a thing. The reason that line is in there, it goes back to the sand people. Okay. That he killed. Okay. That's why he hates sand. But he hadn't killed them yet. That comes later in that actual episode. Or it's foreshadowing or something like that. See, here's my it, thing. It has I know it ties people, into the sand people. People, people try talk to make the prequels a thing. And okay. the reason that people try real hard. And there's all kinds of really great theories. But I'm sorry, George Lucas is a bad writer. He was a he was a breakthrough director. His concepts were awesome. But he needed to have better people write his stuff. And he did in the original trilogy. Actually, the, the very first Star Wars was saved in the editing room. Because the first time he screened it for people, they basically looked at him and said, this is a disaster. And he had his, his wife at the time <laughs> basically took it, said, give this to me. Went in, recut the film, and it became the phenomenon. And then every other one was directed and written by somebody else. But... I thought I thought that that line seems so out of place and it seems weird unless somebody was trying to foreshadow something or talk about every casting that's of Anakin a, was decent, out of place in those prequels. That's a decent explanation though. Yes, I'll 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 give you that. I'll give you that. But I don't think George Lucas was that brilliant when it came to his writing concepts. Okay. It, it, he just wasn't. It I'm is, sorry. It is a very awful. Although line. I will admit, with where the new franchise is going, I would. I would love to see George Lucas back in control of what's going on now. There it is. 1999 yeah. glasses. See? Are you? That I told is you just... they existed. No. Yeah. It's so dumb. Why? I don't know. But they did. That is sad. <laughs> I guarantee that's photoshopped. I know they were an older thing than the that. The world too. should have ended in 2000 just for that. That's just terrible. <laughs> oh, man. <All> right. <laughs> Sheldon's take on why the world should end. There we go. Well, it's, it's just a beautiful ridiculous. I, I don't I know. swear there's a picture of Elton John with some of those glasses on at some point in his career when he still had some of his own hair. They don't, they don't let you leave Times Square. That's why all those people are still there by midnight. My wife has always wanted to go do that, and I'm like, Why? No. A, I don't like people that much that I want to be in that kind of sea of humanity that are all pressed up against me, most of which I'm sure are tripped out on various illicit things that they've managed to sneak in. And I would just feel so trapped there. I already feel trapped when I go to New York City half the time anyway. But in that, like, clump of people, I would just, ugh. If there's ugh. one thing that hasn't been blown up yet that somebody might try to, it'd be something like that. Yeah. That's why I'm a little freaked out about going to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't I don't know that I would. First of all, I don't have twenty five hundred dollars for a ticket. But <laughs> New Year's glasses. There is a whole Wikipedia page on these. Oh no, say it ain't so. I swear I've seen him in some of those though. Nineteen ninety is when it started? They were invented and patented in nineteen ninety. Maybe wow. I'm just thinking. I mean, Elton John wore a lot of crazy glasses, so maybe I'm just, I'm just projecting. It could that be because he's worn worn some crazy stuff. There we go. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's the things we don't understand. Yeah. No, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> it's a did you know? It's both of them. Yeah. It's all together. We Absolutely. do what we want. It's a new year. We do what we want. 
every um, time. So in this new year, we're going to keep doing a couple topical things as they strike us. The other thing that we're going to do is try and interview a few people. It's going to go easier once we get a new interface yes. here and running. Right now, we have two mics, and we're trying to pass them back and forth yes. like a hot potato. Yes. But um, we're, we're going to get this thing up and rolling. We have yeah. GoFundMe, and it's it's ticking along. Yes. We're going to be okay. Throw dimes so. and nickels at it. I don't <laughs> care what it is. So and it will help us get there. But sure. we want to we want to get some stories out to you. There's some fascinating stories. We had the conversations with my dad uh, in December, and that was one of our best yeah. uh, listened to broadcasts in December. Yeah. And December was our best month yeah. yet in our podcast. Yeah, so which is crazy. It's crazy. We yeah. actually have more content out there than at any point yet. So right. I mean, that's helpful. People going back and listening through that's stuff helpful. is always helpful. Yeah, I so. know several people who are backlogging through everything at this yeah. point. So people yeah. are just discovering us even now. So if you You've got a friend that is listening to podcasts, but it's not ours. Tell them about it. Tell them about us. That's right. Yes, yes. So um, one of the stories that we (laughs) wanted to get to and and one of the bigger fans of our broadcast here (laughs) has been Jared Flack. And we wanted to have him on and we do have him in the studio here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass my mic off to him. I'm going to let Nate carry it from here. I'm going to try and not interject, but... You know me. I, I don't sit out very well. You're going to interject, so. and you should interject. It's all good. Okay. It's I'll all just good. shout from the yeah. the back corner. We'll figure it out one way or the other. It'll be okay. We're so just I'm making it up as we go. Here. <laughs> all right. Nate, if you want to uh, <clears throat> intro him a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to pretend like I actually have some control over what's going on here, because that's what we do. We just feign control the whole time. So, Jared, hi. Hello. There you go. You got a little bit of the red thing going on since we're actually recording this? Or are you good? You feeling okay? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean the red thing? Well, see, there's this, there's this, uh, there's this thing called, uh, you know, I, I think at studios is typically called red disease or the red illness. Oh, that Which every time live. you go in to record, all of a sudden everything <clears throat> kind of goes away or gets funky or goes sideways. I can't tell you the amount of times I've had perfect takes and then I go to actually record something and I, I suck all of a sudden. So I've never really recorded anything other than like little snippets of songs like on my phone or yeah. computer so yeah uh, I re- any relate to that and uh no I, I like public speaking yeah and stuff like that never really bothered me yeah I would get nervous start and then I would just be fine. just be fine yeah yeah so the the, the weirdest to thing my, is hearing myself to my mind the, the funniest iteration of red disease is people leaving voicemails <laughs> Because people are really bad at leaving voicemails. I mean, they really are. I, I one time told one of our babysitters that I loved her before I hung up. Nice. Nice. And the funny thing is she never listened to it, and I actually fessed up in person. Nice. And she's like, what? Oh, that's funny. I've, I've done that, too, getting off the phone with somebody, because almost the only person I ever talked to on the phone is my wife. Yes. So I've done that before. I've had it just like, bye, I love you. Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not. Well, it's not that I didn't mean that, but just yeah, it's weird now. Just ignore <laughs> it. Just move on. Well, anyway, we're glad you to have you on here. Right up in the yeah, mic. get get up in it. Right up in you it. aren't, okay. aren't going to hurt anything. Pop one of your ears out. Yeah. If you get uncomfortable here. That's there. what we usually do. Is is vent. Yeah. We're getting all the all the gritty details here, guys. <laughs> um, all right. So first of all, just tell me a little bit about yourself, because I mean, obviously, people know me and Sheldon pretty well from everything we've done here. So give me a little bit of your. Uh, your background, simple things like, you know, where you were born, what your family was like growing up a little why bit. Give us, give us some of that. Yeah, why you love us, why we're awesome, you know, <laughs> all those things. 
Um, okay, so uh, was born in Columbus, Ohio, at Riverside Methodist Hospital. Oh wow! Um, and my dad and mom lived in Fredericks, uh, Fredericktown at the time. So grew up in Central Ohio. Um, after they uh, split up, my dad moved to Orville and lived in Orville for about 20, 25 years. Lives in Akron now, so that's how I kind of came to the area. Okay. Um, grew up in Central Ohio uh, in high school, was out in California. My mom still lives out there and uh, came back after I graduated high school uh, due to some lifestyle choices, found myself living in my car for about four months. And my mom was more or less supporting me. And so it was like, yeah, you know, if, if I wanted to like get out of my car, because <laughs> I was, it was stuck in a behavior cycle, you know? <coughs> so, um, so yeah, I moved back in 2002. Which I met you right around that time. Um, getting close. Actually a few years after that. So then I was lived with my dad for not even a, quite a year, met a girl um, had fallen back into lifestyle choices that were yeah. self-destructive. And rather than continue to lie to him, I moved in with her at her parents' place. And so I lived in Wadsworth for a year and a half. Um, and then moved back in with my dad as things, you know, came crashing down in 2004, which would been, and then, no, because then after that, I did good for a little while, then was back off the wagon and in 2006, got a DUI. 2007 is when I started going to Worcester. Okay. So that was, yeah. <coughs> My biggest memory of early you, mm-hmm. meeting you, was uh, in Sarah Warwick's apartment. Yeah. Just hanging out, sitting on the stoop, talking about, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but just talking about whatever randomness. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, that's like, I know that's not when I met you. I'd met you before that. But that's the first moment where, like, you as a person were that are actually imprinted on my brain as, like, someone I interacted with. Um, but, yeah, anyway, randomness. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been living in Wayne County, Wadsworth, since 2002, um, more or less full-time. been living in Worcester uh, since me and my wife got married in 2009. So my wife has lived in Worcester her entire life except for four years in Mount Vernon at the Naz, yeah. Nazarene University. Yeah. Uh, her parents live in town. Most of her family does, too. So Yeah. Which, oddly enough, I, I've known Nikki longer than I've known you, I think. Yeah, because she, she's, um, she graduated in 2003 and started going to the Naz, I think, might have been senior year, maybe junior year yeah. of high school. So 2002, I know she played, for, she played for our Easter ministry one year. That was my first memory of her, was being around to play for that. Okay, yeah. And then she, she wasn't around for a while, and then she was back. Yeah, yeah, she was uh, in Mount Vernon from <coughs> 03 to 07. So since marrying your wife, how many children do you have? Four. How many boys do you have? Four. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. <coughs> and what are their ages? So uh, Gabriel is eight. Um, he'll be nine March 1st. Uh, Zechariah is seven and a half. So that was an unplanned bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> So when when we brought Zechariah home from the hospital, it was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> we have a 15 month old and a newborn. It was like crazy. Um, and I, I remember when my two weeks, I took two weeks off work for all four of my kids when they were born. Yeah. And I remember at the end of that two weeks, I'm like, I I, I want to go back to work. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I want to go back to work. This I is bet. this is crazy. Um, <laughs> 
And then when Samuel was born, who is uh, four, he'll be five um, February 20th. Okay. Um, so there's three years between Zechariah and Samuel. So when we brought Samuel home, it was kind of like the older two were way more self-sufficient. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh. So that when my two weeks up was up, it was like, you know, I kind of want to stay home now. This is, yeah. this is not so bad. Yeah. So and then Stephen is two and a half. All right. All right. So... Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so that gives us a little window on you, a little window. So, um, yeah, so let's go to the podcast. Like, what, what made this a thing for you? I mean, obviously, we've interacted a lot. I don't actually know how much you've interacted with Sheldon uh, other than this. Than you. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Maybe, maybe so, maybe so. But um, over the years, you know, we have uh, off and on and sometimes more intensely than others. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, what is it about this that kind of grabbed your attention? Uh, well, part of it was you told me about it, that you guys were starting it, uh-huh. and so I figured I'd check it out. Um, so <laughs> I started listening to it, and I find the topics interesting. Uh, some some of the stuff, like when you guys did some of the uh, conspiracy theory stuff. Yeah. Some of those, like the, the stuff with Patton, I had like, I knew, I knew about Patton because right. I was a big World War II right. history buff. Uh, growing up, um, it's but I so I knew who Patton was, but had no idea about his death yeah. and his involvement. And so like that that was very interesting, and uh, some of it is some of it is just uh, supporting people that I know. Yeah, uh, I, I also know that you know, there's this this principle that like the support you give is the support you get. Yeah, and so at some point, if I ever create content. I yeah. want to have people supporting me. Oh, yeah. yeah. So well, you've you got us in your camp for yeah. sure. So. so that's one of those things. So, so <laughs> part of it is is I find it interesting. And you guys, I think, yeah, you guys are the only non-religious podcast that I actually listen to. <laughs> so part of, like, that, I've kind of, I've cut down on some of the podcasts I listen to just because I think it's one of those things where you can get in and you can just be sucked into oh, yeah. listening to podcasts it's a all the time. Hole. And I, I only listen to them at work. Okay. Uh, so it's just, yeah. So I've pared down <clears throat> what, I, what I listen to podcast-wise. I, I think there's a point where I think you see this a lot now with the, the Internet. There's, you know, people listen to, you know, all these different speakers, all these different authors, and so they have all this, this wide range of input. And... I don't know how some of it is antithetical. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think sometimes you can just oversaturate yourself. <coughs> yeah, no doubt. And you can, it's just oversaturation. Well, and we tend to oversaturate ourselves with one side. Like it, we, we do a lot of confirmation bias listening, I think, uh, for the most part, and as a general rule. Yeah. But I think some people like getting into chasing the fad diet, I think some people get into chasing the fad influencer mm-hmm. or the fad. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, content totally. creator. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because yeah, there's always like, have you seen this video and that video? And I'm yeah. like, I don't really care. Yeah. That's been <laughs> one of the things for me. I've, I am a, a YouTube binge watcher. I mean, bad. Like, I will, I will spend hours of my leisure time just following that rabbit trail wherever it goes. And, uh, and so that's one of the things right now we're doing a fast. A uh, 21 day fast at our church, and that's one of the things that I'm giving up. And it amazes me, even in a few days of doing it, the way that I feel. I mean, 
can't even really, it's hard to quantify actually. It's kind of weird, but I just, I feel more clear, which is odd because I'm usually just like you're saying, just saturating myself with information. Yeah. But it, it does. It has this ability to kind of clutter your actual ability to think and your actual ability to listen and, the and all of that January stuff. January is Protestant Lent. For yes. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, uh, I think it's Lent for the majority of the, of the world Western civilization. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. purge ourselves and then like fall off the yeah, wagon. Yeah, fall off the wagon as so soon as it, it was kind of interesting though. By the time real Lent rolls around, <laughs> yeah, everybody will be repenting for the things they're not doing anymore. Yeah, but um, Chris Valentin had a message a couple weeks ago on his podcast about. Um, like a renewed mind, and how do you know when you have a? How do you know when you have a renewed mind? And he went yeah. through like seven things that he, like characteristics that he thought you know displayed the evidence of having your mind be renewed. Yeah, and he got into the thing where like, you know, um, if you look in in the scripture, it's actually talking about like it's renewed in your mind. So like it's the way you think, and so like what you put in influences the way you think. Yeah. And you see this with news nowadays. They don't just report the facts. They report the facts and then tell you how to interpret those facts. Exactly. And so he made the comment, you know, you spend three hours watching the news and three minutes reading the Bible and you wonder why your head's a mess. <laughs> and so it's like really got me thinking like, you know, like binge watching like stuff on YouTube or podcasts or just even Facebook, like all that information is being brought into your brain, you know, and you know, garbage in, garbage out. Right. You know, and so I think... Like for me, I've purposely tried to like stymie that to to yeah. a degree. Yeah. Well, and I've always been one of those information junkies, and I've talked about that on here before. Like, I love, I love it. I mm -hmm. just love random knowledge. I love finding it in random places, and so that's that's been you know. I always said when I discovered Wikipedia, I basically stopped doing anything else for a week, and and that was all I did. You know, that was <laughs> that was, you know. Uh, you know, but that's that's the thing for me for so for sure. So for for this season, you know, trying to tame that has been an interesting an interesting process already. Um, were you going to say something, yeah, Sheldon? I was interested in your story. If you could, that's where I was just about to go. So you're good. Tell us, you were talking about some destructive lifestyles. I'd like to not only know what got you in, but what got you out. Like those two okay. things. Like I, a lot of people talk about yeah. being down and out, but not what got them in. And then what got them out? Yeah, I think that's okay. Uh, pain avoidance. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, I think a lot of it, um, just from I, I'm not really sure what, but I know after my parents got divorced, I had night terrors and had mm -hmm. issues. And I know at one point in fifth grade, I had bags packed to run away, but just didn't like have the guts to actually do it. And I, like, I don't even remember what was so bad. I just remember, like, it just, it was, like, didn't feel good. Yeah. And so junior high got into kind of that darker self-loathing kind of, like, mentality. Um, and I think part of the thing was, like, growing up with my dad was a pastor. I got one set of information, and my mom, who grew up in the church, but was is definitely a lot more relativistic. Yeah. It was kind of more like find your own path kind of kind of deal, um, but yet there were still moral standards. <laughs> so, um, for so for me, it was pain avoidance. You know, drugs and alcohol <coughs> made me feel better. Yeah. You know, uh, and then and then and then once 
they own you, they cause more pain. So then you have to take more drugs right. to numb that pain. And then your life's a mess. And it's just a snowball. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah. It's like putting people in pain management and then the next thing you know, they're shooting up heroin because right. they can't get Oxycontin right. anymore. Right. So for me, yeah, it was just, um, pain avoidance more or less, uh, both emotional so and then physical, of course, once once things started to take over. Well, so I never really had a problem with, like, I was never an IV drug user. Yeah. And I, I've never done heroin. I've done opiates, but I've never done heroin. So I never, in any time, like, I've done opium or Oxycontin, it was like, I was usually drunk and like, oh, you have this? Okay. Yeah. You know? And so I never did it consistently enough to get, like, where I would get dope sick. Yeah, okay. So, um you know, a lot of other drugs, like even, even like cocaine. So while you're binging, you're like, need more, need more. But by the time you come down and you come off of it, like, it's not, it's just not the same. Yeah. So, and it was actually interesting for me, like weed was like my main thing. So like, if I had that, I would, I was fine doing other stuff or finding other stuff. But if I didn't have that, I could care less about other drugs. I wanted to have the, like, that huh. was my, that was my your safe, pull. That was my safety blanket. <coughs> and then once after turn 21, then alcohol quickly switched places with that. Yeah. Um, I think part of that was just, uh, ease of access. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And so like, if I, if I was drunk, well, I mean, if I was drunk, cause you make all kinds of great life decisions when you're drunk. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I, um, you know, was a, a heavy drug and alcohol user through high school. That's how I ended up living in my car for four months. Um, and that's why I probably would still be living in my car if I hadn't moved back to Ohio. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and it, like in recovery community, they, they talk about people having back problems and it's like people get sober because they have back problems. You know, the wife's on their back, court's on their back, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. And so at that point, like I wanted to change, but I didn't want to have to do what it took to change. Okay. It was like, I didn't want to stop partying. I just wanted the consequences to go away. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just want the pain to go away. Yeah. But I still am having fun. Right. So doing that. And then I remember I did uh, outpatient treatment for like six months and they were talking about the powerlessness of, of the disease of alcoholism and addiction where like you use even when you don't want to. And I was like, that's crazy. I always want to. Yeah. And so towards the end there, like I would have days where like, I don't want to drink and I was so, and I would get drunk and I was like, Oh my God, they were right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to admit this to them, but they were right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. and so it was like one of those things, yeah, like you wake up and you're like, like, I just, I'm not doing this today, you yeah. know? And then there was always some trivial reason or excuse or, <coughs> you know, and I was a binge user and a binge drinker. So like some nights I would drink a six pack and then go home and pass out. And then some nights like I'd be shutting down bars. Yeah. And then calling in sick to work the next day or yeah. going in half drunk still. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just it, like... I was like, uh, it was like rolling the dice. You never knew what you were going to get. Yeah. So, and then I was a blackout drinker, which always, that's, that's a whole nother, you know, there's, I've, I've done a lot of stuff that I don't even remember. Yeah. Like there's just, I, I used to, I would go to a party to meet somebody. I thought for the first time and they're like, no, no, I met you last week. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you're not trying to hit me. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it must bad. not have been that bad. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. So towards the end, um, 
the the alcohol was did not solve the pain problem. Yeah. So and even even in the midst of like active alcoholism and addiction, like I was still going to church fairly regularly. Um, <coughs> and it was and it was one of those things like I was there. Partially, I mean, because I wanted to be. So as an adult, I, nobody was making me go. I, I, I chose to be there. Right. Uh, and it was almost like taking your vitamins. Like, I knew this was good for me. Right. It wasn't changing anything, but I knew it was good for me, and I knew it was, like, where I should be. Right. So when I decided to get sober, like, I just knew that I couldn't fix me, but I knew God could. Yeah. And so that's kind of how that started. And so I... um was uh, seeing uh, Wade yeah. for like a year and a half. Um, and so I was so- sober for about six months and relapsed for three months. And that was interesting because uh, like after I got sober and had started seeking God um, in a different way than I had before, um, when I went back out, it was, I remember the first time I got drunk after that and I couldn't see them, but I could feel like this demonic presence yeah. like all around me. And it was like they were dancing and happy <coughs> that I was like coming back to them. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think it was the Holy Spirit telling me like to stop drinking, but the alcoholic was like, no, you don't stop until the alcohol is gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that kind of dichotomy. So um, that was probably the worst three months of my life. Like, yeah. Drinking, lying about it. The fear of like being on probation. If I get caught, I'm going to jail. I'm losing everything, you know, because I'm already on like chance like 50 with yeah. my dad and other things. So, um, yeah. So then eventually, um, I, and I remember Wade, probably the one of the wisest things ever said is like, you gotta make a choice. Yeah. You can, you can't live in two worlds. Which one do you wanna live in? And so I was like, okay. So I that was I. Uh, my well, one buddy I ran around with. It was his birthday party. And I said, "Okay, this is this is it." So we went, had a blast, and then like, I don't remember if I got drunk the next day or not because <clears throat> it was a Saturday. <coughs> Probably did, but by Monday, and then after that, like, I stayed sober. Yeah, and then basically shifted everything. Yeah. So so I'm curious because because you've knowing you as I do and and being a a, a big believer in transformation, not just. Uh, behavior modification, but actual transformation uh, for people. Yeah. What's what's your what's your kind of how do you square the um, the idea of alcoholism or drug addiction as a disease, and as the whole like like a would take it like you know I am an alcoholic always mm-hmm. an alcoholic, period. Well, that's who I am, versus the idea of transformation. Now I know that that's been abused and not always reflected correctly, yeah. um, but I'm I'm trying to go with the. Uh, the generalizations and just trying yeah. to get your opinion. So, so th- this is this is <coughs> what I do know. There is scientific fact <coughs> that um, alcoholics have an allergy to alcohol. Yeah, and their body does not create the necessary enzymes to properly metabolize alcohol. Right. And so, what that does is it triggers something in their brain which makes them crave this chemical because when it breaks down the alcohol, it gets stuck in the acetate stage. Yeah. And their brain craves that, and the only way to get that is more alcohol. Which is why you see so much alcohol addiction in the Native American communities, because they literally have a gen- that genetic issue mm-hmm. at, at like an accelerated scale. Yeah. So, so there is a biochemical reaction that is taking place where it is actually a disease. Like you can't once. So there's different theories of how that happens. Yeah. You know, um, 
And I think a lot of it, I, I think it's a spiritual issue that manifests itself in a physical form. Yeah, without a doubt. So I think once you cross a certain line, it's like flipping a switch and then it, it's, it's broken. Yeah. Essentially. Um, and that, that's the medical view. Okay. So, so there is a biochemical reaction to where um, I've not tested this, but theoretically, if I were to take alcohol in, it would start off a chain reaction that would be beyond my control. Yeah. I could probably make choices of, um, as far as my behavior goes, but my body craving alcohol, once I ingest alcohol, like that's yeah. done. So, uh, and even like big book, it, you know, cause there's, I was sober for about two years before I ever started going to AA. And so there's the big book was written and has been unchanged because it was written so well. Yeah. And even though they talk about the, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual aspect that it's this all-encompassing disease um, that affects, you know, every aspect of your life. And so um, this, is, this is my, you know, when I, I, I know that God has, has obviously spiritually changed me. Yeah. You know, and that comes in with salvation. And I know that mentally and emotionally I've been rearranged in my view towards alcohol. Physically, I don't know. Yeah. So huh. I do believe that God could remove that allergy. Right. Just like he could regrow my arm if it was missing. Yeah. But did he? I don't know. I've, right. I've not tested that theory. <coughs> right. And it's so, probably not wise to just go test it to see. No, no. Because like, you know the consequences. Yeah. Though. So, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at a place in, in my life, in my faith, where... Um, like if I was at a place and they served wa- uh, wine with communion, I, I would it, it wouldn't bother me. Yeah. Um, and I have enough faith and confidence in God that let's say I'm somewhere in uh, another country on a short-term mission trip or whatever, and someone serves me alcohol and it's a customary thing, I'm probably gonna be able to drink it and be okay. Yeah. Um, I know if, I know other people that have eaten foods they're allergic to in those situations and unaffected. Yeah just because God is... There's grace for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So, but the one thing is, like, I, even though I was an alcoholic, I did like beer. Yeah. So there's a part of me that that misses, like, because craft beer was really The culture of it. Yeah, it was starting to come in as I was getting sober. (laughs) So, like, when I had money, I would buy Great Lakes. I would buy microbrews. If I didn't, I would buy the biggest 40 of whatever I could get. <laughs> so, I mean, there was, so there was a part of me that misses the, the idea of being able to have a beer with dinner, but yeah, like, and could I maybe, but at this point I'm not, it's, it's not a risk I'm, I'm willing to take or yeah. I don't see the point in taking. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's not, it's not a beneficial freedom. No. And I think that's, that's the, that's the paradox that, um, with, with Liberty is that, you know, yes, freedom allows you to do whatever you want, but also freedom gives you the ability to restrain yourself. Yeah. And a lot of people miss that aspect. Yeah. I would say even the responsibility to restrain yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Continued freedom depends on your responsibility. Yeah. To yeah. yeah. Well, like you can only self-discipline if you're truly free. Right. Yeah. That's good. Because otherwise something else is disciplining you. Yeah. Or you so, can only remain free if you're self-disciplined. Right. Right. So, so let's, let's, let's move on then a little bit. So obviously, you know, 
change, you know, with encounters with the Lord, but also with, uh, you know, significant counseling and, and, and decisions that you've made along Meeting the my way. Wife. Meeting your wife, yes. <laughs> Women are amazing like that. Awesome. <laughs> Women are amazing like that. It yeah, is very I, true. I met her. I met her three months sober, and I remember because I was seeing Wade and, uh, like, th- our whole story of how we got together is just is just crazy. It's a total. It's a, like it's a God thing. Yeah. So she did join choir at the NAS. Yeah. Because she felt like God told her to. Yeah. And I joined choir because. You guys practice on Wednesday. That's when I was meeting with Wade. Yeah, and, it was and so after you were there, and so my dad was like, "I'm going to join, and you can either sit and wait, or you can do it too." So I was like, "Well, <laughs> I, okay, I guess I'll do it too," um, and, I'm, and I'm glad that I did. <clears throat> but then we had um, before service, we were praying back in the in the music suite. Yeah, and there was my dad and Nikki, and then Tootie. And then me. Yeah. We were all holding hands, and there was other people in the circle, but we were in a For line. For those who don't know, Tootie is a person. Yeah. Yes. That, that's not just a random thing. A There's name. a person. Well, that's not her real name, but that's, <laughs> that is her name. Yeah. That's what, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what she's known as. Yeah. That's right. And so, um, so I found out later on, while we were praying, my wife has a thought, you know, of that my dad would make a great father-in-law. And she's like, where did that come from? <laughs> and I had... To, I, I knew who Nikki was and we had talked, but like my attention was actually somewhere else at the time. And so we're sitting up on stage in the front row waiting for service to start. And Tootie walks up and she's like, I'm so sorry. Um, I was in the way. God showed me you guys were supposed to be holding hands and puts our hands together. <laughs> and I was like, hi. <laughs> like, okay. So I let go of her hand because I'm like, I, what am I supposed to do here? And so she grabs her hands again. She's like, no, no, no. You guys are supposed to be together. And so, like, the rest of that is history then, but it's just, yeah. like, every ministry prophetic training I've ever had, like, you don't prophesy dates, maids, and babies. You just yeah. don't do that. So yeah. it's, like, every prophetic rule that you do for ministry, she broke. But it, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So. All the rules unless God breaks it. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, like, even after all that, I was like, well, like, you know, because knowing my past, like, I, the last thing I want to do is, is hurt this person. So. Right. And I remember talking to Wade. He's like, "Well, the fact that you've been considering how this will affect her more, like that's a good sign." So yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so again, all all that all that history aside. So, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Tell me a little bit about, and this is where we're really going to get into, I think, some of the meat of what we're going to talk about tonight. Even though. Obviously, we've taken up a good chunk of time to do this, but again, it's good. People are getting to know you, and that's that's the point of all this. Um, I'll just donate more money and come back. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, we might have to have just a general recap of, hey, this was our first guest, and we got to bring him back on here because I don't consider your dad a guest. I really don't. I loved his stories. I feel like he's like a he's a, a good storyteller. A, a back room. He's, a great story. he's like a back room contributor to what goes on here because you are a thing. And here you are because of him. Great. He's going to take credit for all my accomplishments. Not all of them. Yeah. Not like, all. I, mean, like, I don't think he would want to either. So, <laughs> To be honest, there are some episodes I'm like, is, is the hour up yet? Yeah. <laughs> and then with your dad, I was like, oh, the hour's up already. Yeah. Like, we have some of those too going. where we're sitting here yeah. staring across each other like, are we done? Can we, can we be done? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so let's kind of talk about like, like what you're doing now. And, and again, obviously, for those of you who, who 
aren't Christians, and if this doesn't interest you, that's fine, but you should still hang on because if nothing else, you'll either get offended or you'll find something interesting about it. So let's go with that. Um, but but you've, you've had, obviously, quite a journey, but right now, uh, a lot of your passions, a lot of your uh, really purposes in life have really kind of hit a new, um, relatively speaking, new mm-hmm. place and a new direction. Yeah, there, like... <coughs> I like my wife doesn't she, we've we've talked and she's like you're not the guy that I married. Yeah. You know, we will have been married uh 10 years at the end of this this coming May. And um I'm pretty much completely different than I was like 2 years ago. Yeah. So to the point now where I was thinking about it like the majority of my life now revolves around the gospel. Yeah. In some way shape or form. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, it's weird because I don't know, I don't think I'm one of those guys that is like overbearing, but I lo- I think me two years ago might've looked at me like, you're just a little over the top. Maybe you should like throttle that back a little bit. <laughs> like not to the point where I don't have normal conversations about right. stuff that's not like religious, but you know, almost all my thoughts are colored by that. Almost all of almost all my thinking, uh, my decision-making, uh, like almost all that is flavored right. by Jesus now right. in a way that it wasn't, you know, two years ago Yeah, or more. So, so talk about a little bit with me first. I mean, I don't need all the detail, but give me a little bit of, of, of what was the, what was kind of the catalyst that not even that was like the encounter that changed it, but where was the point where you looked at this and said, okay, this is something I'm going to pursue. This is this is a lifestyle that yeah. I'm I'm gonna start diving into. Yeah. So whenever I got sober and, and Nikki and I were dating, um, I was on fire for the Lord, um, and I'm not really sure what happened, but at, at some point, um, I started. I don't know if it was a, a, a lack of surrender issue or whatever, but I started smoking again. I had like quit smoking for a year, um, and so I just started making my own decisions. Yeah. It felt like, I don't know, but there was, it just seemed like there was a general cooling in the atmosphere around me as yeah. well as like inside of me. Okay. Um, looking back, I could definitely even see it in our church. Mm. Like this things changed. They weren't yeah. the way they used to be. Um, and I know some changes a fact of life, but I think not all change. Some change is good. Not all change is good. Yeah. It just depends on what it is and why it is. Yeah. Um, so, for probably uh, so the next eight or nine years or seven or eight years was just like life was good, mm. um, but like I worked, I went to church on Sunday, I had my kids, you know, it, but it was it was it was boring. Yeah, and I was kind of in this place where I realized I just I kind of knew like this can't be all there is, and if there is, I'm probably gonna start drinking again. Yeah, because this is lame. Yeah, <laughs> so. Um, and you know, you hear like stories about people like Todd White, you know, um, and just and like so there was like this this whole other realm of God that I knew existed that I never experienced, but I wanted to experience. Yeah. And so there was just a lot of a lot of hunger, a lot of uh, un, unmet expectations or needs or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it was just mediocre. <laughs> like if this is all there is, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, it's not bad, 
but like this can't be all there is. Yeah. You know, because I can go get lost in a bottle if, yeah. this, if this is all there is. So, um, and my dad did uh, BSSM, so Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry out of Bethel, Cleveland. Um, yeah. He was, he did it in 2011, uh, 2012. I think he was the second class. Um, his first year was, they, it was the first time I had a second year class. Okay. Um, and so he did it. He did three years and he stayed on as like a mentor, volunteer, and is now their um, their missions director. Okay. Uh, so he and he was like, you, you, know, you should do this, you should do this, and it was always a like a time thing and a money thing because it's not it's not cheap. It's definitely yeah. cheaper than going to Reading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and definitely a lot, a lot less time commitment than yeah. going to Reading, but it's still uh, you know first first year and second year are twenty six hundred bucks a piece mm. plus you know you've got. Uh, three and a half hours, Monday night, Tuesday night for class, plus book reading, homework, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's definitely a, a sacrifice of time and money that goes into it. Um, so, would have been 2016, 16, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19, yeah. So, 2016, um, Ethan, my little brother, is their worship pastor. <coughs> and so, he got commissioned as... That he'd been leading worship and doing a lot of things on a volunteer basis, and he finally officially got a you know hired job, and so they had a commissioning service. So we went up there, and at his commissioning service, they talked about BSSM, and I remember uh, towards the service, I felt like God said it's time. Yeah, and so uh, my thought was that you know he was talking about BSSM. So um, I talked to my wife, made the jump. And so that was that was what that was. Yeah. So that's how I got into BSSM. So more than anything else, I mean, obviously there was there was the Lord leading you to do something, but it was that kind of <clears throat> boredom slash dis, dissatisfaction that kind of at least led to you even looking in the first place or considering in the first place. Uh, kind of hunger for more, I think too. Well, <laughs> not really, because I really wasn't doing it. Like I was, I wanted more, but I really wasn't doing anything about it. Right. I was more or less just kind of sitting and complaining. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like this can't be all there is. There's got to be more. But and so I think like I was I was searching with my heart, but I wasn't actually like doing any research online. I wasn't yeah. calling people. I wasn't asking for advice. I was just like, gotcha. you know, the the I guess the hunger of the heart. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And so the Lord obviously re- responds to that. Um, and sometimes you know, and I after doing first year which I think everybody should do at least one year of BSSM just because I think it's that transformational. Mm. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? But then sometimes I wonder if I had done it sooner. Um, like, I don't know that, it, not that it wouldn't have worked out or wouldn't have gotten what I got out of it. Um, but I think the Lord allowed me to wait because I'm impatient. Mm. And if I had gone through that training... And then I had to wait some more before whatever's next. Yeah, I that would have been that would have been tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think in His grace, He did not like push me in that direction yeah. until like it was time. That's what so, I'm hoping. <laughs> so with with this, with the combination of what your history has been and what the Lord saved you from and what He's changed you in, how has that translated into what you're passionate about now and the why behind what you're passionate about now? Um, yeah, so, like, 
looking back, I mean, I would say when I got sober, like I was hot for God. I don't, I don't even know that I would call that on fire. Yeah. I was just, I think it was just hot. Mm. It was just really hot because I had cooled off. Yeah. And so something on fire doesn't cool down. It's on fire. Right. You know, and so where I'm at now, like I'm on fire. Yeah. And I, I probably could make choices to allow that fire to go out, but like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Like I've jumped on the train. I'm not getting off. Yeah. And I think at this point, if I jumped off, it would probably kill me. Yeah. You know, I've, 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 I've been so far in one direction to go back the other. It would just, it would just, you know, the pendulum swing would be devastating yeah. to me and I think everybody around me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I was never, like I was always a daydreamer, yeah. but I was never like a planner, never a goal yeah. setter. Uh, growing up, I never expected, especially during like junior high, high school, I never expected to live past 30. Yeah. I figured I would binge burn out and like, I just, so I never had a long-term plan because like I didn't expect to be around long. Yeah. There was no long-term. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, what's party, what party's next weekend? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Um, and so, but like since coming to BSSM, like not only am I using my imagination to dream, but it's like, okay, like what kind of legacy do I want to leave? Yeah. What, like, why, why do I breathe? Yeah. What is the purpose of my existence? Like, God did not create me for no reason. Right. You know, um, I, I, don't, I don't... If God is the giver of life, I don't believe in accidental pregnancies. <laughs> so everybody exists on this planet for a purpose, for a reason. Right. So what is that? Yeah. And so for me, um, I feel like I finally found what that is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it has to do with um, training and teaching people how to live on fire and then how to start fires. Okay. In the sense of going into places that are cold and lighting them on fire. Yeah. You know, um, and just getting people excited about God and what he is able to do and what he can do. Yeah. And I think what we're moving into right now, there's a lot of, depending on... Um, people that are like mainland denominational may not have access to this, but it's out there. There's a lot of prophetic words, um, about a, a, a third great awakening yeah. about a coming revival. And it's, I mean, it's already started. Yeah. Um, it's, it's here. It's still like in seed form. It's still growing, um, but it's picking up steam and, um, you know, my eschatology is, is also drastically changed. And it was kind of funny because you, you guys had that podcast where things are getting better. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, in, in the Hebrew mindset, everything's cyclical. It's not yeah. linear. Linear yeah. is Greek thinking. Right. Hebrew thinking is like it's cyclical. And I've noticed that, like, you had this point of creation that kind of went down. And then there's this apex or this actually low point where Jesus is born. Yeah. And then after that, everything is going back up the other way. It's like a parabola. Yeah. And so I actually... F- I actually feel like things are going to get so good that Jesus, like, I, 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 I believe that we're going to make heaven or earth so much like heaven that like God just naturally comes. Mm. That's, that's my prevailing eschatology at this point. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. <coughs> that, that would be a brand new perspective on eschatology from any denominational one. I've heard. Yeah. 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 So, and, and there's a not, I mean, there, there's some, some, uh, some teachings by by Chris Valentin where he talks about the, you know there are pl- plenty of verses about about the earth going to hell in a handbasket, 
but there's also plenty of verses about, you know, that the, the earth will be covered with the glory of God as, as the seas covers the earth. Yeah. It's like, so what do you do with that? So there's yeah. enough on either side to create that tension. Right, without a doubt. So, but, yeah, I just... I like a hopeful eschatology. Yeah, because well, yeah. well, I remember talking to my dad about this um, when he was heading in the vein where he's at now, and, and I followed in. And, you know, if, if your thought is that it's going to hell in a handbasket, like why bother to save anybody? Mm. You know, and I remember talking to somebody, they had asked about like, you know, I don't believe in global warming, but they'd ask about it. And I, and, and I was like, well, if it's all going to burn up, what does it matter? Yeah. And it's that, that attitude, that <coughs> mindset, like if we're just going to hold on till we get sucked out, like, right. I have no responsibility to do anything. Right. You can't have a circle, regardless of what your eschatology is. You can't have, if you're, if you're living in a circle, of the wagons mentality, I, I would contest that you're directly acting against the will of God. Yeah. Because like, that's not why we're here. You know, we weren't given the Great Commission to yeah. just huddle up and, you know, wait for the world to burn. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I, to me, it's just like, it, it, you know, right, wrong, or otherwise, it, it, it totally changes the, the way, the attitude with which you treat the earth, the way you look at just life in general. Yeah. You know? Because if, if all you do is, is, is holding on till Jesus comes back, like, what's the point of working? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can get into a lot of problematic things, for sure. And I've seen people swing to that extreme, for sure. Yeah. But I think it just, it naturally just creates this pessimistic worldview. Yeah. And pessimism is, I mean, it's pessimistic. <laughs> I think it, it puts sin and destruction at the center of your thoughts. Yeah. Like, we got to resist sin and destruction instead of living for... Yeah. See, the something good and beautiful. The funny right. thing is that sin was already destroyed. Yeah. At the cross, like it's done. He yeah. said it's finished. Like so I mean there's a tension of 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 our present reality, but um you know, Bill Johnson says, you know, if I read something in scripture and it's not my reality, like there's something wrong with me, not with the Bible. Right. So it's like what in me needs to change <laughs> so that my my reality, my experience matches what what the word says. Yeah. So yeah, so it, it just, so right now I'm finishing up third year BSSM, and then uh, I'm not really sure what's next after this. Um, one thing the Lord has placed on my heart is is starting a school of ministry mm. um, here in Worcester. So that's, I have no idea what that looks like or how that yeah. how that actually like pans out, but it's, it's something I've been praying into and like positioning myself for. Yeah. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so how does this translate to you for like the day to day? Because again, people can hear a lot of things and they can hear names or they can hear places and they automatically get a certain thing in mind. But yeah. for you in the practical, like day to day, what does that look like? Um, <clears throat> what does that become? So, like, I remember like for first and second year, like I get extremely dissatisfied with work. Mm. Like, cause you know, where I saw myself in five to 10 years is not where I was at. Yeah. And, you know, the, the job that I do, uh, it, it feeds my family, but it does not feed my soul. Yeah. And so it was one of those things. Now, the, the company's great, and they, they treat the employees really well, and if I ended up retiring from there, I could do a whole lot worse. Yeah. So, like, the work isn't bad, and the company's not bad. It's just I don't know that I was necessarily put on the earth to do this. Yeah. But there's also this paradox that, you know, I didn't choose the technology sector. Like I do programming and developing for a small insurance company in Orville. 
<laughs> and I have zero schooling in that. Yeah. I just kind of worked my way into the job. And I would have never picked it for me. Yeah. And so, you know, it would be just like God's like, oh, let's, let's have you do this. Yeah. You know, because I, as I can, you know, I've got, I've got the, the intelligence and, and the mind to be able to do the job. And, you know, I, I've always, always felt like I would end up in, in full-time ministry at some point mm. or vocational ministry, but I always, I knew that whatever ministry I had, it would be for-profit. It would not be a non-profit. Yeah. Um, and I also felt like that it would be bivocational um, just because ministry structures uh, are a lot more fluid and flexible if you don't have to take capital. Yeah. So, like... If I have passive income or can generate my own own income outside of a ministry, then then I'm, I'm not using those resources. Yeah. And with the size of my family, you know, ministry <laughs> is not a very high paying field, especially starting out. Right. Yeah. And right. so, like, I would, yeah, it just it, it would be a logistical nightmare from a financial standpoint. So yeah. Um, so technology and doing programming is something that you. It's really easy to start your own company. It's really easy to do anywhere you have a computer and internet access. Yeah. So even if I'm traveling, doing like speaking other places or doing mission work or whatever else, like, you know, if I have access, I can still do work while I'm doing those other things. You can support your ministry habit. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So, or, you know, um, you know, and just so everyone knows that's biblical. Paul did that. So and that kind of thing just builds, just so you know builds credibility with yeah, people without a doubt. you're not always asking for their money you're willing to put your own behind yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of funny cuz uh, a side note I had um a a friend from high school that I mean there's other stuff there but he he kind of um uh more or less accused me of taking other people's money for to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> for me going to Peru, back to Peru in March. <laughs> uh, and I just thought it was kind of funny because first year I went, so this is my third time in Peru in three years. Um, and so first year I went, uh, the trip was pretty much paid for through donations. Yeah. Uh, last year, um, I think I got like, I think $500 from various people, but I paid for pretty much the trip myself. Yeah. And so this year I'm... I'm you know, I have not had to put any of my own money towards the trip yet. Yeah. So, like, I mean, there's definitely cycles and seasons to things. Um, but I just thought it was kind of funny. I was like, I, I didn't tell him, but I was like, you know, I pretty much <laughs> went last year on my own dime. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, like BSSM, a lot of people receive donations. Um, I think in the th- three years, I've had, I think, $300 donated on yeah. my behalf for the school. Yeah. And that's it. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably close to five grand right there for over three years. To, yeah. You know, and, it, and I have no problem with that. To me, it's an investment in myself. Yeah. You know, but it's just funny because some people, you know, they automatically assume that, you know, if you're in yeah. ministry, you're, you're stealing from people or the church. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I always knew if I did, a, if I had a ministry, it would be a for profit. Yeah. Uh, one, I don't like if, if paying taxes keeps the government out of my business, then that's what, that's what I'll do. Yeah. And I always hate the idea of, for your gift of twenty dollars, we'll send you this free book. It's yeah, like, no, yeah. you're selling me the book for twenty dollars. Yeah, you're lying. Yeah, that's like that's just unethical, and I've always abhorred. Yeah, that. So I was just like, I'm not. I I won't do that. Yeah, I will not yeah. do that. So, 
And I'm sure it's not that hard to make a ministry show a loss on your yeah. tax return anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. <clears throat> so we're getting towards the end here, but is there anything else that you wanna you wanna throw out? Any anything that I haven't asked a question about or that you wanna you wanna throw out there? I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what God does. I as I think uh what he is starting to do um, has never been done before mm. and has never been seen before. Yeah. And um, so in this entire process of BSSM, like first year, he, probably for the first half of the year, he offended me. It's probably the best way I can put it. It was like he would, he would things would happen um, and it was like a slap in the face. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and I know it, sound, it sounds weird, but it, it was like, it was not bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it there was just like <clears throat> the one thing going through and, you know, was making payments on the school. And I was like, God, like nobody's giving me money. And, and I didn't ask for money, but I assumed like God told me to do this. Right. So he's, it's gonna, he's, he's gonna yeah. pay for it. And I remember one night, um, I was like, God, like I thought you were going to pay for this. And he told me, he's like, I never said I'd pay for it. <laughs> And I was like, that's true. You just told me to do it. You didn't actually tell me you'd pay for right. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it was like one of those things. That, so the Lord did provide, like, um, you know, through bonuses at work and just, you know, like it got paid for. Right. You know, out of my pay, out of my pocket, which is not what I thought was going to happen. Right. But it worked out. Right. <clears throat> it's so, still just as paid for either way. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think, you know, I suffered from that lottery mentality. Yeah somebody come bail me out. And it's like, you know, no, you know, sometimes the, the very, you know, sometimes the, the pain and the pressure on your life is not the devil. It's actually God. Yeah. And he's trying to change you and you just won't, you just won't you die. Just won't move. Yeah. And you just won't die. Yeah. That's, what, that's all it is. Just die. Yeah. You know, cause if you're dead, you don't struggle with sin. You don't struggle with self. Like it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you just die, be dead. <laughs> and then, and then you can live forever in resurrection power. <clears throat> yeah. But I, I, I'm just, I'm really excited to see what the Lord does. Um, but there's also a part of me that's kind of uh, anxious because I, I don't know that everybody's going to be really happy about, like, the, what, what the Lord does or the way he does it. Cause <laughs> what else is new? We've, we, we all have our boxes. <coughs> no doubt. No. Yeah. And even though I've, I've spent a good amount of time and money learning how to have my box smashed, I still have boxes. Right. And like you, you, whenever you break one, there's still another one. Right. And you know, so it's, it's this continual like onion thing with the Lord. Right. Well, in yeah. reality of even box smashing can become in and of itself its own box. It's the weird yeah. paradox of being human. Yeah. <coughs> so I'm just curious to see what happens, but I think it's, you know, um, you know, the, the, I think the Lord is going to, pr- a, a lot of, a lot of places are going to go through crisis. And I think you're seeing that in America right now. Yeah. And, and crisis is what happens when people don't accept and seek change yeah. on their own. Yeah. Like if yeah. you don't seek change, <coughs> crisis comes and forces it upon you. Right. That's right. And usually the crisis is that change has happened and you just haven't. It's like... Accepted it. Well, it's, it's a, you know, it's a verse, you know, you know uh, people perish for, for a lack of vision or, or lack of wisdom. Like yeah. if you have no prophetic 
discernment about what's coming or what's going on, like you're just clueless. And so things are happening to you rather than you partnering with things. Yeah. And not that you always have it figured out, but like... It's like the difference between being hit by a wave and surfing. Yeah. <laughs> same yes. energy. Yeah. Same energy, yeah, but... That's a good... But that's a very it, good... But it, it affects picture. you totally different. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think, you know... Um, <coughs> you know and, and so <coughs> prophecy is basically hearing from heaven and then doing it or speaking it. I mean, that's yeah. really all that is. So... I would agree with that. So it, I mean, so, you know, it it can be telling the future and it can be just like, you know, what should I have for breakfast? Like sometimes I think God cares about stuff like that. Sometimes he doesn't just, but I think people that are, have a prophetic vein in their life and are like, just have an ear towards heaven are going to do a lot better because they're going to be able to like, at least attempt to surf the wave rather than get smashed by it. Yeah. And I think all of us, like, it's a process. Oh, yeah. And you probably get smashed as you're learning to ride. Yeah, something gets smashed. Yeah. Well, we had done a podcast about hearing from God and touched on a l- little bit of that. Yeah. Was there anything in the hearing from God podcast <coughs> that you wanted to touch on a little bit? I know you Yeah, no, I just, I remember reading, so for first year we had to read this book, Voices, um, by uh, Steve Witt, who's the senior pastor of Bethel Cleveland. Yeah. And it just talks about like the different modes and methods that God uses to speak to people, you yeah. know, dreams, visions, audible words, intuition, just, you know, um, and that God doesn't always speak the same in the same way in every season. Right. And so I don't know, it, like, I think a lot of people, they, they make this big thing out of it. Like, you know, um, what is God's will or what is God saying? And it's easier to steer a car that's moving. Yeah. So uh, like, take a guess, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I think sometimes we worry about like, if I make this one choice, it's going to derail God's purpose for my life. And it's like, you're not that powerful. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, like God has given us the power of choice for a reason. Cause he's not afraid of it. He's not yeah. even afraid of us screwing up. <clears throat> you know, like he took the disciples from, untrained, three years, gave them the power of heaven to where they could call down fire. Like, you know, when they, they asked if, if the, he wanted them to call down fire, like, yeah. that infers that they had the authority and power to actually yeah. do that. And, like, Jesus was not afraid of handing over that yeah. kind of power and authority to relatively untrained people. Yeah. It's just, like, it's just my, like, he's so unafraid of our mistakes. Yeah. And so, um, a lot of it is just, is just taking risk. And so, like, for me... Um, it's a lot easier to hear the word of God for somebody else than mm. it is for myself because the outcome doesn't really affect me. Yeah. Um, but in prophesying over other people or hearing what the Lord has to say for other people, it helps you discern what his voice is for yourself then. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And so, you know, reading the Bible, it definitely helps, but just getting it right and getting it wrong helps you like, okay, that voice is God. That voice is not God. That voice is probably yeah. me, you know, <coughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, Sheldon, what do you, what do you have for us to kind of close this out here? Since I, I just really wanted to thank Jared yes. for his time here tonight and just being real super candid with your background and everything. I, not everybody would have the guts to right. do what you did tonight. And I, 
I want to applaud that. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, and, and thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, I, I guarantee that there's somebody listening to us that's dealing with temptation or addict, addictive lifestyle that, that doesn't know how they got there or how to get out. Or, yeah. And they, they need somebody to tell them that, hey, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah. And, uh, man, that's an awful bright light. That yeah. your light is that your life is burning for, yeah, for, sure. for others to see and and I, I do want to bless where you're headed and uh, and the fire that God is is burning inside of you it's it's evident um, one of the things that we were going to talk a little bit about was was healing ministry and you're you're active in that seeing God come and, and heal people uh, my experience in that regard has been all over the map I yeah. mean I <laughs> yeah, so I was just going to share that a little bit while you were here. Like my one of the first people in my life that believed in faith healing was my grandma and she she died at 54, 55, something like that from breast cancer and mm. believed the entire time. So then there was a whole bunch of like uh, why did God allow this and all of that. So I I lived that kind of stuff younger, but I would say the second person in my life that believed as much or more in it than my grandma was my wife. And when I married my wife, I mean, she could play like the little operation man game that has all the different things wrong with her. Like she could do that. And like we did that one time and I drew an outline of a person and she could go around to the different body parts and label all the things that were wrong with her at the time that we got married. And, uh, she had always been kind of a sick kid, and I, when I said for sickness or in health, I thought it was sickness. Yeah. And uh, and and I was signed up for it anyway, you know. And she got healed at her wedding. She got healed of some things <laughs> along the way, various things, but those are her story, and I'd like her to tell it eventually. But just recently, God did a really awesome thing, um, just through Jared for Jess, and it was it was really awesome. And she's still she's still living out that that uh reality and it's it's been it's been great so um yeah god can definitely fix what's broken sometimes he does it in ways that we're like oh yeah that's totally him and other times it's like boy that is really confusing and it didn't work out at all like i thought it was gonna so um but yeah i just totally wanted to bless that yeah uh, with where you're at so um for those of you that have listened to a longer podcast here i really hope you appreciate it and uh, this is this is Jared. He's really being real, and all these stories did happen. Um, and we'll tell you some more stories from some more people later. So, so you got uh, you got an action step for us this week? I do. I mean, I I feel like you need to just tell people about this podcast this week, um, and and just uh, think of a particular episode that you really really enjoyed. And it's more than likely that the person you're talking to is really yeah. going to enjoy Pass one on. one particular episode more than another. That's right. So pick that one out ahead of time and have that in your back pocket and be like, okay, uh, whenever I go to pass this this podcast on, point them to a particular episode. So, yeah. Because what we have out there is really a grab bag. Yeah, so, it is that. So it is that. Whatever, whenever you like, <laughs> hey, go listen to the things we say, somebody will come up to me and be like, hey, I just started listening to your podcast. I'm like, oh, really? Which yeah. one? The one where we talk about drugs or the one where we talk about Jesus? <laughs> well, I think that's the thing that I like, like about it is that you never know what you're going to get week to week. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you're bit on Christmas. Okay, it was Christmas. We're a Forrest Gump cliche is what we are. But but 
<laughs> like week in and week out, like you really don't know what you're going to get, which I think is one of, the, one of the things I like about it. You know, it's not like this vein of things that like, okay, it might be something new, but you yeah. know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I'm going to tease it. I am, I've been reading on some of my favorite conspiracy people, and I've got some people in the bank that you have to hear about. And, and I don't know if I can do back-to-back He's been feeding People me bits podcast, and pieces. So. But uh, we'll see which one Nate gets excited yes, about. Yes. We'll go with that. Oh, so. yeah. That's your action step this week. Grab an episode, keep it in your back pocket, and use it on somebody. So. Yeah. Well, as always, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.